everybody. Happy New Week. Hope you're doing amazing. Um, I have got another hot off the press uh, from the press author, Josephine Palermo here right next to me. I'm very excited to be interviewing her today. So good morning, Josie. Good morning. How are you? Hi, everybody. I'm doing amazing. As you guys can already see behind her, she's got her amazing book um, there, which we're going to talk about this morning for the next half an hour. Um, and if you do have questions or anything like that, post them below. If you're watching this on a replay or send them through, I'm sure uh, we'll be happy to answer stuff. But let me give you guys the official introduction of who Josephine is. And that way uh, we can get stuck into the amazing content. Um, very interesting stuff that I'm also very curious to find out. So Dr. Josephine Palermo is a lifetime advocate for women and gender equality. She holds a PhD in organizational psychology and is a published expert in coaching, leadership development, psychology of gender and organizational dynamics. Renowned as a sought after speaker, leadership coach and mentor, Josephine's expertise lies in fostering communal leadership based on her profound understanding of gender and organizational dynamics. With a diverse background spanning academia, senior corporate leadership, organizational consulting, entrepreneurship, and community leadership, Josephine leverages the psychological and gender knowledge to develop practical strategies for bridging the gender gap in leadership. Currently, she fulfills her entrepreneurial aspirations as the director of multiple businesses, including Geared for Growth Consulting, Six Team Conditions Australia, Melbourne, Belly Dance, which is very, very interesting when I was reading your bio. Uh, Josephine inspires individuals, guys, to redefine the significance of work in their lives, encouraging them to bring their authentic selves to the workplace. And in 2020, she launched the Gears Action Growth Podcast. So check that out. Engaging in conversations with esteemed guests on topics concerning business and uh, culture and teams. So Josephine, so much. Did all of this go to the book? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. I, well, a little bit of it, but an aspect of it. So yeah, yeah lots of, I was, as you can see, I really love variety in my life. So yes. <laughs> lots of things yes, happening all the time. I love it. I love it. So today we're talking about introducing feminine power and that what we know about power is wrong. <laughs> Tell me, like, where did this topic come from? Let's because that's also uh, your tagline of the book, right? Yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know what? It, it, what I want to say is your concept of power is probably incorrect or at least incomplete. And I've been studying gender and psychology for decades. It was my topic in my PhD, which I completed in 2005. And, and I've had these really uh, a growing passion to, to get this information out there. I've published in the academic world, but that's not accessible to everyone. So I really right. wanted to write a book that was very accessible, really something that would be engaging and people would want to read and be able to read and really um, get some insights themselves from the stories that other women uh, share about their experiences with power. Because I think we learn more when we hear stories from other other people and particularly other women. So yes. that's that's why the book came to uh, fruition. I've been wanting to write a book, a non-academic book on this topic for a long time. Yeah, we it, we were just chatting before we connected. I go, where did we meet? And we said it was probably about 18 months ago mm. and we went through our publishing route. Um, and now the book's out into the world. So we want to spread, you know, um, you know, shout it from the rooftops to let people know that there's such 
compilation of wisdom that you've accumulated over so many years and you've studied it in such depth. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, some of these topics, you know, um, you know, let's talk about biases that are, you know, driving our behavior and, yeah. you know, in organizations. So talk to me about that. Yeah. One of the ways to really tackle um, the issue we have around gender inequality and we can, and you know, in the book, I, I talk about gender inequality. There's some statistics there. I don't necessarily have to go through them, but we know that women are very capable, they're incredible um, uh, leaders, and yet they still aren't represented on Australian, you know, senior leadership teams. There's only 18% of women on Australian boards. It's the, the people running our country, basically. And we still have a gender back, uh, pay gap of 20%. You know, that's yeah. equal, equal, you know, unequal pay for the same work. You know, what's going on there? And, and really the reason that that's happening is because we have bias in our organisations. And that comes from us as people developing processes, developing systems, reinforcing systems through our own bias. So, so I sort of start off with saying we're all biased and we are. If you look at the neuropsychology, we're all biased. So the trick is not to deny that we're biased. We have lots of uh, traditional gender stereotypes that still operate. You know, Nat, if I said to you, picture a professor, picture a CEO, picture someone cooking over a hot stove, picture someone picking up children from school. Your, your gender stereotypes, your biases play out in what comes to mind. We all do it. So the trick is not to say, you know, that, that it doesn't impact us. It's a, the trick is to say, how do we manage and address that? So in the book, I talk about the fact that women need to support each other because they are operating in an environment that has a design fault that over uh, values masculinity and undervalues femininity. But when we look at all of the research on the future capabilities we need both in our workforce and for leaders, it's all of those characteristics that women possess and that are part of constructive psychological femininity. We need compassion, nurturing, caring. We need uh, collaboration. We need adaptability. That's all the stuff that women possess, you know, because women in, in the main tend to, to, to really carry on those feminine traits and yes. also non-conforming men do too. But they're just these barriers to getting into the workplace and into leadership. And, you know, you can think about community leaders as well because of those biases. So, so the book is about how women experience power. You know, I ask a question, when did you first become aware of the, the influence of power in your life or the, the forces, you know, playing in your life? And a lot yeah. of women talk about early childhood experiences or, you know, their first experience of work. So we, we get into personal lives as well as, as, well as work because you can't just, you know, we bring our whole selves to work. So you can't just talk yeah. about yourself at work without what's going on in life as well. I was just thinking about the question that you just posed and I was like playing in the question in my mind, you know, what would I answer? Because I've never thought being a woman, I couldn't do anything, but you know why? Let's rewind the clock back to my childhood. I was literally raised by four very strong women because my mum and dad separated when I was like two. And then there was my grandma and the three yes. uh, daughters. And I always saw them do everything, right? And yes. um, and then it's like in my life, I've never thought that that 
men were stronger or prioritized. I didn't think, I thought I was just like, can do everything and support myself. So, and you can. Yeah. <laughs> and you can. Obviously, I was blessed to see that, yes. um, you know, there's obviously pros and cons there, not having a male figure, you know. Uh, yes. It's different, you know, how my husband and I have kind of reverse roles in our family, but that works for us. So, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly so exactly and so and so absolutely and you know obviously at the individual level there are differences but when we look at gen yeah. in general yeah. you know women are suffering from lots of imposter syndrome for yeah. example and that's because yeah. the environment tells us that those unique strengths that we have those unique feminine qualities aren't valued or not as valued you know you're too emotional you're too colorful you think about people too much you know you you can't make those hard decisions you know all of that it's actually incorrect thinking it's just based on those gender stereotypes and so and a lot of men don't want to lead that way either they don't want to work and live in a world like that either but they're constrained too you know they, they they're constrained and locked into gender stereotypes yeah. as well yeah. so so it's about disrupting that and really challenging that but to do that we need support so you know other women are really important um, for us to really um, connect with so that we support each other without judgment too so that that's really important I love that yeah that's what I was about to say you know how do we you know because we all get raised with certain beliefs and obviously it's been skewed the other way too much um it's and, and we've gone through many years through you know the feminine coming to the forefront but we've still got a while to go right exactly absolutely and and first it's about recognizing it in yourself so really understanding what are those things that have led you to a certain place and maybe it's not really about your true self maybe it's those forces interacting so challenging that and in organizations in government even in nations we have to challenge the way we do things and think about things and you know for example during the covid pandemic their female-led countries actually did better than the male-led countries. That, there's yeah. no, that's not a coincidence. They locked down earlier. They had less deaths due to COVID because they really activated compassion and nurturance and caring and connection. You know, connection was really an important characteristic. That hasn't gone away. We still need to feel connected to, to you know, what we do at work and in our daily lives. And if you're a stay-at-home mum too, if you're working, that needs to be valued. You know, we need to get real about that. Um, yeah. You know, the lowest paying jobs are childcare. We need to think about why that is, you know, there's all, and of course, when I think about that, there's a lot of, you know, injustice and unfairness, and that comes from bias. So what we what we need to from an individual level do is is think what can I control you know what's in my what's in my uh, I'm concerned about a law but what can I control and I can control the my behaviour and and think about how I'm being influenced but to do that you need the support of other people it's very hard to do it on your own because we operate about 80% of the time in our day through unconscious processes. So only 20, 10 to 20% of our day, we're actually thinking with the frontal cortex, we're thinking, yeah. you know, those higher order thoughts that kind of, you know, make us stop and think, hang on a minute, is that right? You know, I've always done it that way, or my mother always did it that way, or my boss always did it that way, but do I need to do it that way? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the higher order thinking. We're not always gonna make every minute of the day count through higher order thinking. It just, it, we would be taxed completely. Our cognitive system oh. would overload. Yeah. You wouldn't want to live that kind of day. Yeah. So, so, yeah. 
Sorry, um, you say we've got to get the help of other people. How do we, how do we do that? Do you have some ideas and suggestions that you share? Yes. In the book? Yeah. So so in the book, there's a lot of stories about how women are connecting with other women in both in the workplace and in their personal lives. Um, you know, right at the last end of at the the last chapter of the book, you know, I kind of cheekily called it "Let's end gender, let's fix gender inequality today." And and I don't mean that we'll fix it today, but those stories are about how women connect with women's circles. They can do it on their own, or they can work with you know professionals like me and, and create um, gatherings and women's circles, which is facilitated. And and that just to give you an idea, I just led a retreat in Bali uh, two weeks ago. When we brought a group of women together, really diverse age ranges from 19 to 63 and we talked about these issues and we really supported each other and by the end of I think we were there for four nights by the end of those four nights everyone had had an amazing time but we we they suddenly had someone else in the world who gets them who understands that they're trying to change in this way and that's important it's really important to connect in with other women and get that support and because it's 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 not necessarily just going to happen uh, we're not going to make changes like this yeah. just by willing it because you know those forces are really strong and we're, we're teaching our children the same things because you know that bias comes through it comes through everything we do it comes through media it comes through just our daily actions and, and what we say so it's um it's about being kind to ourselves you know we're all in the same boat yeah. So don't be unkind to yourself be compassionate to yourself so yeah. yeah we're all in the same boat but i just need a little bit of help and um you know that that there there is there are some strategies there i also talk in the book about how you know how we need to understand imposter syndrome because that's a really common problem Tell me about that obviously people like <laughs> have that syndrome all the time and i actually attract probably 95 percent women into my community so Let's tell me a little bit about it. Well, you're great, Nancy. You provide a you provide a forum where you know the people get support, and because we do have that self talk, it's that self talk is I call it. I give it a name. It's limited self beliefs. Let's call yeah. it what it is. So yeah. we want to do something, and then suddenly this little voice in our head say you're not going to make that happen. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? They're not going to read anything you want to, to say. Why would you put your words out? It's all of that. And what we need to, what we need to recognize firstly is that self-talk, be compassionate. So yes, that's part of me, but I don't need to necessarily behave in that direction. I don't need to go that way. That's not necessarily true. So, so there are ways to challenge that thinking ourselves. Again, it's really important to talk to someone about that. And some people get coached around that. They, they join groups like this, where you've got that group coaching experience. And it's important to be, to be real about that, that limited self-belief and tell once once you get it from in here out it mm. already dilutes it you know so for for example even doing my first retreat i had a lot of imposter syndrome i actually suffer from imposter syndrome right. um, a, a lot of the time um because of my early childhood experiences so i managed that and i had a little thought saying nobody's going to come to bali with you why would they follow you you know all of that and then I work, I actually work with a, a business coach one-on-one -on -one and I, I said to him, 
I'm having these thoughts. I'm, you know, I, I, there's a belief there. It's in my business plan. I've planned for it. I've planned the time, but it's still, I still don't believe it. If I don't believe it, it's not going to happen. Mm. So we reframed that using some techniques. Yep. And then within three days, I had booked uh, the retreat. Within five days, I had people signing up. It's that quick. Yeah. It is really that quick. And I'm not talking about woo-woo manifestation here. I'm yeah. talking about just getting control of my own thoughts, yeah. getting control of that belief with help. It's very difficult to do it on your own, unfortunately. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, step away from fear and into faith and then action as well. That's it's right. Key. It's key. And you're right. I think the communities and what you've started to do with your retreats and what we do with the authors, everyone like-minded, supporting one another. That's exactly right. Different people from different directions and type, you know, it's very encouraging. That's why I say don't do stuff on your own. That exactly. is quite a massive shift, you know, because your yeah. little, what is it? Your little subconscious um, is going to manifest some resistance. That's right. You That's know, right. You have to expect that. Yeah, exactly. So talk to me a little bit more about um, other actions, about feminine power. You know, what what is that all about? You know, we, we hear this kind of language all the time. Yeah. Um, and you say rising to feminine power. So yes. what does that mean for women? Well, you know, and there's obviously different types of women out there. You know, some have more masculine in them. We all have masculine yeah. and feminine, right? That's um, right. Tell That's me right. your definition for our listeners of how you see it. Yeah. So in fact, actually, men and women both have, you know, yeah. feminine and masculine energy. So we both have those psychological yeah. drivers. And uh, for women, rising to feminine power is actually about being unapologetic about those strengths. So yeah. that women, women, by their, again, by early childhood experiences, they learn to see the world through connection so so they they learn to, to consider others and to see the relationships around them feminine power is about viewing power as a function of those relationships in other words power isn't something that's in me it's out there it's in the relationships that i build yeah. so it's firstly it's firstly about seeing power differently you know we often attribute characteristics to leaders and people we see in powerful positions we say oh she's so confident and she's so charismatic that's a function of being in that powerful position that that leader was maybe not necessarily always confident or always charismatic when you step into a leadership role in your family in your personal life in work in the work that you do that builds confidence and and then as you're doing the role you get more competency. In other words, you you learn to be more confident. You learn to be more charismatic. You learn to talk to people. You learn to get your voice out there. All those things are learnt. They're competencies. The more you learn that and the more competency you get, the more confidence you get. And then you're going up to the next level. So it's a, so if you start by thinking, I don't need that power in me. It's not yeah. in here. It's out there. It's, it's the work I do for others. That's powerful. It's the way I consider others very powerful. It's how I know how to collaborate with others. That's very powerful as well. So, so you think of power in that way. Then the second part is let's, let's be unapologetic about our unique strengths. That is nurturance, care, connection, collaboration. And let's, let's ignore or even dilute 
dominance and competition. And I'm not saying that competition isn't also a motivator. It can be. It can be really good in certain situations. Yeah. But if that's not you, if that's not who you really are, you do not have to step into that because yeah. those feminine traits are enough. They are they are more than enough. You are more than enough. So yeah. it's actually and you know um in the in the at the retreat in particular we talk about feminine archetypes there are four that we talk about and this is through my really good friend um petra uh plankova and she talks about the feminine archetypes of girl mother mm -hmm. lover and queen and uh and you know though you we can we can at any time channel those energies at any stage of life um, and the rising to feminine power is about channeling the queen. It's about really doing it differently, doing it in the way that we believe leadership should be done in the world yeah. and uh, and being unapologetic about that. So because people will say to you, you can't do it that way or you need to be tougher here or you need to you, you consider people too much. Um, and when I look, you know, this is all evidence based. I look at the research and I think, and I know these are the things we need to do. So don't tell me I can't. It's just that you don't know how. So again, this is this is just gender uh, bias playing out when we talk to people, again, who are, um, you know, just have a view of power in a, in a different way. They believe that you get things done through dominance, control and competition. And we've survived, you know, the planet even has survived in that way. But look at where we are. It, it hasn't, it's not going to get us to where we need to go in the future. We need different, particularly in a digital world where there's lots of information and we're yeah. all interconnected digitally. There's yeah. no way we can control over that. We, there's no way you can apply competition no. to that. No. It, it actually, de, it actually really demotivates you if you try. But if yeah. you think of, all of those amazing bits of information we have in that digital space and you think I'm a super connector I know how to connect that's a very different way of thinking about power so it may be that for example you know and, and sometimes someone listening on the call might be thinking I don't I want to step into a leadership position I want to lead my community I want to do it for myself I want to be that queen uh, but I don't want to. I don't want to have to trample on people. And I'm saying you don't need to do that. Be the queen. Bring other people with you. Who's around you that you can bring with you? Even yeah. if it's one person, two people, do it in a collective sense because that's how women thrive, and that's how we've always thrived in the past. We've yeah. always done it that way. Yeah, I agree. Like nurturing, connection, and all of those things, you can definitely do it through the digital space, just in a different way exactly yeah. i love how you've made the differences so let's move on to talk about how was the process of publishing your book like how long did it take you to fully write the manuscript because yeah. you came to us once the manuscript was then ready and then we moved into yes. the layout and all those stages and maybe tell us how was your experience and all that yeah. Stuff. <laughs> yeah so i went down the publishing route because i have written before and i you know i love writing collectively as well yeah. but with this book i I knew it was um, something that I, I, you know, I could do on my own. And but and however, in the end, it changed. So I thought I was going to write a book that was um, just really something from me. 
Yeah. How, and, and I started to do research and started to interview women. And as I interviewed women, I heard some amazing stories and such words of wisdom that I thought, oh, I've got to include that in the book. Yeah. So it, it, it made the book writing process a little bit longer because I wanted to interview all, all the women. And I also gave the women an opportunity to review transcripts. You don't always have to do that, but I wanted to honour their words and make sure that uh, they were happy for me to publish certain things, and you and some of the stories in my book have pseudonyms because of that, because they were happy for the story to be published, but unfortunately, they're not feeling confident to have that story out there. Um, yeah. So you know, some of the stories are very vulnerable. They're very, they're really about things maybe you haven't heard of. For example, uh, and you know, some of them are very brave. I've got one of my um, contributors, Dina. Who, who really bravely talks about motherhood in a way that some people are going to go, oh my, oh my gosh, you know, because she talks about how maybe if she had known everything, she wouldn't have done it. And she's got two beautiful children. That's such a vulnerable thing for her to share, but she's yeah. such a powerful woman that she's, um, you know, able to share that. So the, the book process took a little bit longer, took about 12 months. And I don't think it needed to take that long, but I was busy doing other things in the in the meantime. And, um, you know, my, my businesses would take me in different directions. And importantly, I had to carve out time. So I kept carving out certain weekends. But even yeah. being on the publisher um, track, it was good because, you know, you, um, you through your business, Nat, you kept kind of coming yeah. back to me saying, how's it going? Have you finished? So that accountability was yeah. really helpful. So even though I didn't, you know, go and, and do the full um, right. retreat with you. And then after the, the manuscript, the first manuscript was done, it went to the editor and then I got the, the, proof, the first edit back. The editor that you chose for me was fabulous. I worked with um, uh, Carmela. She was amazing and she's and, and really very compassionate as well in the way that she gave me feedback. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel ripped, uh, you know, ripped to the core through the feedback. It was actually a really positive process. And yeah. we went through about, I think we went through about three or three iterations of going back and forward. And she was, um, she was great because she would suggest some things and then I would suggest some things. Most of what she suggested in that first edit was spot on, by the way. So, you know, it was really helpful because it she... It was a collaboration, right? It was a collaboration. <laughs> yes. Exactly. And we got to a, you know, much better outcome. And then I worked with beautiful Julie on the, on the logistics and I'm yeah. still working with beautiful yeah, Julie yeah, yeah. on the logistics. Because yeah. there's a lot of moving parts, yeah. you know. Yeah. Questions yeah. like... Yeah. yeah. How do I get this thing out there? What's online publishing? What? How do I get it printed? What about the book cover? Who's going to do that for me? And yeah. um, and so your team were great with uh, even the artwork. And you'll see that I've got Wonder Woman on the cover. I actually collaborated with an artist in Melbourne. That's an original um, artwork. Closer. I'm going to show the cover a bit closer. <laughs> the screen. There. I can hold up the book. Oh, there you go. That's an original artwork by Melissa Labozetta. She's got a gallery in Paran. She does amazing artwork. And um, so she's, I'm collaborating with her on this project. And again, that was something that I wasn't intending to do. It was just through conversations. And she really wanted to know about the project. She, she wanted to believe in the project because it's a true collaboration. Yeah. And, yep. she, and so now I have this beautiful collaborator, collaborator on the book and, and th because that's such a beautiful image, that Wonder Woman, it's that queen energy. And so yep. I wanted to use that. Uh, and I love the photo on the back is you're, you're doing the same kind of style of stance. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. So where can people get your book? 
Um, so you, yeah. you can go to www.risingtofemininepower.com. So here so it's it's the American. Guys, those of you watching this on a visual, you'll be able yeah. to see the um, website. Those of you listening on a podcast, it's um, Rising Feminine Power. Rising to Feminine Power. Rising to Feminine. I'll yeah, so it on the screen, risingtofeminepower.com. Yes. Not AU, just dot .com. Just dot .com, guys. <laughs> just dot just com. .com. <laughs> and it, there's the book. If you scroll down. You can uh, click the button. Uh, it's currently still still on pre-release. Yes, it is. So I've got a special pre-release price. So it's really right. so yeah. Get get your orders in now and get that. Yeah, absolutely, price. guys. <laughs> that's that's wonderful. Wow, I mean, I've learned so much in this half an hour. It's amazing, and um, uh, you know, I'm sure you've got just as much gold, if not ten hundredfold, inside the book. So I'm really excited to see where all of this goes. I know you've got lots of interests, and you'll be taking it to the belly dancing school and everywhere you know you're exactly it'll support your retreats That's i mean right. that kind of do you want to do more retreats i do yeah so i'm planning to do another one in october and that that was always the plan i wanted to do some retreats out of the book and yeah. and what i'm also you know i actually you know next year i'll probably write a second edition this was such a it was, you know, I'm not going to say it's totally easy because I had to, you know, take yeah. time out of the weekends and the week to do it. But I loved the process. So, and working with you, Nat, was amazing. So, you know, we'll we'll do another one next well, year. I, but, but right now, little, it's working on this one. I always say have a little rest for six six yeah, months. Yeah, I'm going to have a rest. Nine months, and then I get a phone call, and then you you guys go, I'm ready for my next one. It's That's right. Addictive. I always say books are very addictive. So yeah. thank you much this morning guys go to the website yeah. also this book will be available on your good all your good online resellers like your amazons barnes and noble so you can also find it and the ebooks also coming out very soon as well so uh thank you josie have an amazing thank you, day. and everybody go and smash it out bye guys <laughs>